Today I want to talk to us about when life takes your zip. Not lagging in diligence. Don't be tardy. Don't be lazy. But have eagerness, carefulness, and, and even haste. He's saying, don't let your zeal subside. When he says that word zeal, he's talking about fervent in spirit. And, and, and that word actually means to, to boil with heat. The opposite of lukewarmness. It's supposed to be boiling. A, a, a burning zeal to do the God life. Absolutely. Think about it. As I was standing there and as we were worshiping, I, I felt this thought come to me. And it's a passage of Scripture and it says, The kingdom of God is within you. And that was followed up with the question, how's the kingdom doing in you? See, we're always looking for the kingdom out here. But it's the kingdom in here first before there's the kingdom out here. So then I follow up with this question as this, by, the, by the scriptures. Now, I'm talking to myself, you know. Now, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but, and so that I want to find out what the kingdom is. What should be working in here as a kingdom inside of me? The kingdom of God is what? Righteousness. So how is... Kingdom righteousness doing on inside of you. <laughs> it's called kingdom peace. How is kingdom peace doing inside of you? Because it's in you. We want peace out here, but God says, I'm trying to get peace in you. <laughs> Because when you get peace, when you get that peace of the kingdom in here, then, it, then it's going to be that element that, you know, affects the world around you. Then he goes on and says that the kingdom is joy in the Holy Ghost. And so I got to ask myself, how is the kingdom joy doing in me? kingdom is within you. Before it's demonstrated among you. See, they were looking for a kingdom out here. Jesus said, I want to start in here. 
Get the kingdom going in here. Get the kingdom living inside of you. But you know there are things. There are events that have a tendency to take away the zip out of our lives. Those events that, that, that wash away faith's hope. It not only does it wash away faith's hope, but it has also a tendency to wash away the, the very principal structures of life. Living by Bible principles. Living by a kingdom life that's, you know, from within. That's what the majority of Paul's writings are, is a gauge or a guideline to show us whether or not kingdom life is actually, you know, living within. Those events sometimes that can make your dreams die. And they f- most frequently die in the valley. And that's why God's got to come to our valleys. Psalms 23 says, that, you know, about he restores my soul. Where? In the valley. Living under the tensions, you know, of modern life, the complexity of it, at times can really make things look hazy. Can't really see. And so that zeal... Remember Jesus talked about the zeal on his triumphal entry into Jerusalem just before his crucifixion. And this is the zeal of the Lord. The zeal from, for your house has eaten me up. It's just compelled me, you know. And when those events of life take place, as they have and as they do and and as they will, we face that disappointment or unmet expectations. Those, Those horrible feelings that you experience when reality doesn't match your expectations. It was Proverbs in 13 and 12. It says that hope deferred makes the heart sick or expectations not fulfilled all of a sudden has a miserable feeling. That time when things are, 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 are uh, uh, put off 
Proverbs 15 says that it actually brings a sorrow of the heart and it breaks the spirit. It takes the zest out of life. And within that, Satan jumps on the bandwagon and he, he takes that emotional edge. And then he begins to put doubt in you and he begins to put lies in your mind. He tries to take the zip out of your life. And then those wedges of disappointment, they begin to penetrate and make their way until they can end up actually in defeat. It was Peter who wrote to the Christians in 1 Peter chapter 4, you know, and he, and he seen this thing happening to them. I don't think it was COVID, but it was something that was really interrupting life. Let's be honest, COVID interrupted. It is what it is. He says, beloved, do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, as though some strange thing has happened to you. You haven't been isolated out. God hasn't picked you out and said, you know, here, a little extra fire for you. It's that when hope is in short supply, we lose our zip for life. It doesn't boil anymore. We're, we're almost playing catch up. One of the things that would be part of wisdom this morning is we need balanced expectations. You need balanced expectations. Research shows this that we may not fully appreciate what we have when we are expecting more or comparing what we have to what we could have had. Discontent, disappointment, 
expectations and hope is such a wonderful thing, but you know, without balanced expectation, you create a, a very significant stress in your life because they're not met. When we have misplaced expectations, do you remember the story? And many of them fell into it, but I'll just talk for a little bit about the the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Because we've talked about the others. But here they're walking because an expectation that they had framed and formed in their own minds and hearts, you know what I mean, of what it was to be, wasn't to be. And it says that they were walking sad. It's not that they weren't walking. But they were walking sad. It's not that they weren't talking and communing and and going over things, but they were sad. When those, you know, when those expectations don't look very hopeful. There's a, a powerful scripture, or script, excuse me, person in scripture. Elijah. We discover his, you know, a form of his story in 2 Kings 19. And what we see there, a discouragement, you know, uh, you know can eat a hole in your heart. And when that eats a hole in your heart, then you you begin to fall into unhealthy habits. Look at this guy. He wasn't just an ordinary man in the sense of his ministry and his life. He was an ordinary man because James says he was an ordinary man. But he was one of God's chosen servants. He was a great man of faith. And among the prophets, he was, you know, the top rung. We see him in the New Testament on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's there with Jesus. Moses and Elijah and Jesus. This is a guy that had some of the the highest, most mountain spiritual experiences that anyone could have. He had answered prayer. He prayed for drought. Drought came. He prayed for rain. Rain came. One day, there was a boy that died. He raised him back to life. 
And then, of course, the great story in which he defeated 450 prophets of Baal all by himself. He knew what mountaintop faith could do. He had an experience, but he lost his zest for life. A period of time when the zip was gone. A period of time when he struggled with faith Hopelessness, self-pity, frustration, and disappointment. I can only imagine if I were to relate it to my life and not knowing how this type of thing can work. You fight it over here and it pops up over here. <laughs> You think you got it whipped, and all of a sudden, you know, there's some more evidence that it's not over. We read the passage of Scripture there that Paul writes to Timothy, and he talks about shipwrecked faith. You see, faith is, is the ship that you really sail. Now, he's not talking about, I don't think at least, he's talking about, you know, the eternal destiny of them, but he said that they could recover and get back on track when he turned them over to Satan. I want to see them get back on track. I want to see them get their zest back for life. They've lost their zip. And something is... Shipwrecked, you know what I mean? It just gets in pieces. It's not really together, right? You know? We call it pieces parts. <laughs> Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men, they couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. God's always about taking the pieces of our faith They've been shattered from various events, you know, and getting them back together. Restructuring and, and taking those things that were lost, those things that get shattered, those, those, those expectations that, that were not balanced with life, that weren't balanced with the process of life. where we were looking for more and we missed what we already had. I know that can be dangerous. After 70 plus years, You learn how it can be dangerous. Sometimes there's setbacks. There's a story in the Bible about a group of prophets 
Fact is, they would have went to the school of Elijah. Elijah had a school of prophets, four prophets. And they had been in that school. And they said, we're going to make an addition. Apparently it had grown and they needed more room. And so let's build an addition to it. They got the approval and everything was moving forward. And as they were out there getting the material for the new addition, the axe that they were using, the head fell off on it. And it just so happened that where they were getting their wood from was close to water and it fell in it. Second Kings chapter 6. A setback. Doing a good thing. Doing a God thing. And they lost an important element to the success of their project. There's no building going up without the material that goes into it. And it comes in the raw. Oh, hallelujah. You get it in the raw. It's not finished. It doesn't yet fit. But the good news is that Jesus came to recover lost things. And so the, all these students, they were prophets. They had to go and tell Elijah, we were doing this and we lost a very important Heart. I want to suggest this morning, church, have we lost the head to our axes? Have we lost the zip, the fervency? Is it possible that the ship, your ship of faith, is getting some bad weather? Has it marooned? Has it got stuck on something?
there are so many things in life we must take back. We gotta get it back. How many think there's some things in America that we need to get back? Seriously. We've got to get it back. When the basic principles and fundamentals of life are set at naught, when events that shake things, you know what I mean? That's why I think that the writer of Hebrews said, you know what I mean? We just sometimes need to do the first principles over. Everybody wants to sail to distant shores. The ship better be in good shape. There's a story that I want to give you some principles from this morning. It's the story of Jonah and about getting our zip back in life. Fervent in spirit. Diligent. Serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Patience is not a virtue that you see everywhere, not in America. Jonah has, in essence, has had a shipwreck with his faith, and he is in rehab. <clears throat> and he finds his rehab session taking place in the deep waters. Inside a cavern that I don't think any other man has ever had an opportunity to see and live to tell about it. Little history. Jonah is the first official foreign minister in history. The first one. God sends him 
to Nineveh. There has been, there has been, you know, uh, 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 commissions to individuals, but never to a nation. God, he says, I want you to travel 500 miles and I want you to preach the most encouraging message that, you know, that anyone has ever preached. In 40 days, <laughs> your life is over. I don't even think it says unless you repent. I think it just says, you know, this is your doom. Fortunately, they did the right thing. <laughs> Life went into a real tailspin. Jonah was running away, and God's answer to stop Jonah's running was a fish. Yeah. Jonah had a bad attitude, and God's remedy for his bad attitude was a worm. The steps to recovery. His rehab that's taken place in his life. See, this is not just a step of being disobedient. No. You don't just automatically step on disobedience. You lose something else first. So number one, we have to stop denying that there's not a problem. There's a problem. Everybody else is working fervently and feverishly and Jonah is just sitting down. Well, fact is, he was laying down. And they come and they call him a sleeper. There's a problem. You need to call on your God. There's so many gods in those days, but you know what I mean? Apparently, they had been calling their God, and nothing was changing. And so he said, would you please call on your God? Because we're going to perish if there's not some kind of intervention. <clears throat> we have to make sure that our conscience stays tender and alert to the Holy Spirit and the kingdom that is within us and that our hearts do not become hardened because we can't respond properly. 
Then we need to, as Jonah did, he took ownership of the situation and he implemented corrective measures. He took responsibility. You gotta know this is a brave guy. But he still doesn't have enough faith to go to Nineveh. Doesn't have enough motivation. He doesn't have enough zip to go to Nineveh. He said, I'll take my chances in the water. Yeah. Really? Then he went ahead and took time to work on his problem. There in the belly of that great fish, there was a rehab moment for Jonah. A time of great counsel. He has to work his way out of, you know, that, that bad state of mind and that bad habit. Work it out. You got to get healthy again. Got to work on the problems. Got a problem with somebody? You're supposed to go to them. Don't let it fester. Don't let it ruin your day. Maybe you got a problem with God this morning. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Israel really had problems with God. God was always getting the blame. How would you like, you know, a fish's stomach to be the communication center for God's voice? Oh, my. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He said, your life needs to be filled with fervor, passion, and patience. Isn't that that something, Gordy? You know, he says it needs to be red hot and boiling, but patient. (laughs) You tell me. That's quite a mix, isn't it? I think the patience is that part that doesn't let it boil over. 
helps to retain the heat, you know what I mean, with ruining what's going on. Don't walk sad anymore. It didn't work out as you thought. Don't walk sad anymore. But walk. Ask my musicians to come this morning. My objective is, is, is to be encouraging and to defeat the enemy. Defeat the devil. He'll work overtime to bring disappointment into your life. He'll even work to such a point that he'll give you, you know, uh, you know, uh, unbalanced expectations. <laughs> Only to use it against you. The next thing that the recovery process for Jonah was he, he turned to prayer. See, prayer isn't just a last resort. It's the best option. Prayer. Out of the belly, I cried to the Lord and he heard me. He heard me. There isn't any fish's belly or relatable situations that when we pray that God doesn't hear And if you will follow Jonah's pathway out, God will speak to the fish, to that which could be your, your demise, and he'll get you on more solid ground. That's just who he is. So in that prayer, Jonah not only made a surrender, but he made a commitment. He made a commitment. He said, I will sacrifice to you and I will pay my vows. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah upon dry land. So now he's not only out of the fire, or he is out of the fire, 
but now he's got to walk it out. And it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Arise. Go to Nineveh. So Jonah rose according to the word of the Lord. Jonah not only turned over a new light, new leaf, but he learned to draw on the power of God for the mission. Constantly build dikes of courage to hold back the floodgates of fear and hopelessness. say it uh, sometimes it's not even a recovery it's it's you know uh, 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 just regaining something for living is that life must stretch beyond ourselves if we are to keep going forward Jesus said in Matthew 10 39 he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it.
God's listening to your story. He listens to your story. And then he comes along and he enlightens you. the light of the word and everything began to come together you know those guys went away happy they didn't walk sad anymore it wasn't anything wrong with their expectations what was wrong was their interpretation of the expectation that's all that's as Gordy said, we need the wisdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, why is this so important? I'll tell you why it's so important. At least a few reasons. Because Paul wrote, and Jesus spoke, and said that when the end time comes, things are going to be bad. They're going to be rough. They're going to be tough. He wasn't trying to scare us. He was trying to prepare us. When he says perilous times are coming, he said, your, your, your faith, your ship of faith is, is going to hit some rough waters. to when, 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 when Paul gets done informing Timothy he's a young minister he said you know and, and you know you're gonna be in the thick of it guy he said how do you handle what do you do you know when when it seems like all the pieces are just kind of against he said Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. When Jesus was confronted with the, with the devil, he just preached the word to him. It's written. <laughs> this is what God says and this is what I'm doing. Be instant in season and out of season. So there will be seasons. It doesn't work easily. Everybody's not going to be receptive. Because there's going to be a lot of different years. commanding you be 
because you really do have it together. I think that your, your principles and stuff are there, but I think sometimes they lose their zip. clap this morning so I don't have to go bad sad <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah you know Paul said we're not ignorant of his vices I'm just telling you this morning you know what I mean just how that that sly old fox works you know the Bible says he's wiser than Daniel this is an educated foe we've got folks and he knows humanity. He knows humanity. Father, today as we go home this week and as we sail the seas of life, we thank you that we have a kingdom within us. We want that kingdom active inside of us to such a degree, God, that it affects the sailing on the seas of life. And how we deal with storms, how we deal with calm, how we deal with opposition, how we deal with enemies, Lord, how we deal with success, Lord, how we deal with brothers and sisters, how we deal with leadership, oh, hallelujah, how we deal with church, Everything, Lord, you, you've went ahead and you, you, you've talked about it for us. Hallelujah, God. So we just want to line it up. Line up to your word, Heavenly Father. Because we will reach port safely in a healthy state, God, and not in a shipwreck state. Amen. Praise God. Go with God. Hallelujah.